Hey guys, <laughs> we, we, we've, we've restarted this podcast like three times because we just keep laughing, but let's just go straight into it. We, um, we're really excited to be back and, and to chat more rugby. There's been a lot going on, a lot of rugby happening, so I'm really keen for our chat today. Mark, how have things been going since, since our last chat? You doing well? Yeah, I'm doing well, just enjoying all the rugby on TV, loads to watch, Six Nations mm. preparation series, it's, it's been really exciting. It has been, and we've got some cool rugby to look forward to yeah. as well, the Varsity Cup is starting soon, um, we might cover a little bit of that, maybe just wrap up the season as a whole, mm. uh, when the season's done and as it's going, men- speak about here and there, but today we're going to be speaking about the preparation series, which just uh, concluded, we're going to speak about the, the Rainbow Cup that's coming up. We're going to speak about the the Six Nations that just happened, and we're also going to speak about the upcoming Lions Tour and the the decision that was made for the Lions Tour to be here in South Africa. So we've got a lot of interesting mm. things to speak about today. So let's first speak about the preparation series. Um, so we we all know that, well, maybe not everyone knows, but there there were big efforts from Rassi, Rasmus, and Saru to speed up the game because. In, um, in the Curry Cup and Super Rugby Unlocked, it was like a Sunday night stroll to yeah. every scrum. They're taking their time. Guys were unfit. But the preparation series, it, it was a lot faster. Uh, we, we, we could see that the, that the rules to make the scrums happen quicker and the lineouts to happen quicker, it sped up the rugby. And there was actually a lot of really exciting rugby. A lot of youngsters got a chance to show their talent. And it's actually looking pretty good. Yeah, I... I think I can change my tune now, finally. The last couple of podcasts have been quite negative about the local SA rugby, but I feel like the last couple of weeks has been exceptional, and um, the rugby has been high-paced, it's been exciting, there's been points, people scoring tries, youngsters. I mean, the Stormers have seemed to have an abundance of loose forwards just coming out of nowhere, just playing excellent rugby. Everyone who gets a chance is playing well. And, um, yeah, that's really... We've lifted up again now, I think... If you'd asked me two months ago, are we ready for the Lions? I'd say no, but now it's looking a lot more positive. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. It's been really cool. There were some ex- exceptional tries in, in the preparation series. That Did you see that, pri- that try by that, uh, that Sharks prop? Yeah, Nkulu unbelievable. From like 60 meters out. So there's a lot of young talent coming through, and I, I don't think we'll ever have have a problem of a lack of young talent in South Africa. I think we will always have young talent. So that's nice and positive. Uh, and it was a nice way for the guys to prepare for um, the, the, the upcoming Rainbow Cup. And one thing that, that did kind of occur to me, though, is I think also the rugby was more exciting because there was no title, you know. You know, in the Curry Cup, everyone played to win. They wanted to win the title. So they played it safe. For this preparation series, there, there was no title. They, they weren't playing for anything specific. Um, no bragging rights or anything. It, it was just like a whole bunch of friendly matches. So I think that also encouraged them to experiment and try new things because losing wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I think it was, it was interesting to see what happens when you give people the freedom to, to do whatever they want. And you see with even with Western Province, they had um, some of the assistant coaches taking over as as the, the head coaches for certain games and we saw Morat get a chance of being captain. So it's very exciting to see what happens when you put people in positions where they can express themselves and, and do what they like and then 
you see how they, they step into that role and it's, it's very good to see. Um, not just seeing the same old guys playing week in, week out, seeing youngsters come in and just, just performing. It's really, it's positive. Mm, totally, absolutely agree. Um, let, let's, so let, let's now branch into chain about the Rainbow Cup because the preparation series was preparation for the Rainbow Cup. <clears throat> uh, okay, there's a lot to talk about. First, Mark, do you think our teams are ready to to take on Europe? We, we had a little bit of a disadvantage, South Africa, because all the games are going to be in Europe. None of them are going to be here in South Africa because of COVID, which is understandable. But yeah, I think that might come at a big shock, a big... Something just flew on me. <laughs> there might be a big um, shock for some of the players. They've never played in Europe before, some of those guys, and now suddenly they're thrown into this big competition. I think it, it will be different, but if there's no fans, which at the moment there's not, then it doesn't really matter where you're playing. I, I mean, it'll, what will be difficult will be time away from the families, time away from home, you know, people have wives and kids, or some, some of these blokes probably still live with their parents. And it's difficult to just go for weeks and weeks in a foreign environment. But the fact that there's no fans will make it easier because there's less less pressure, less no one's booing you or um, calling you names. Or I mean, we've all been some of us have been to Newlands. You know, you know <laughs> there's some very select words coming out of the crowd. Um, so I think it will be a challenge, but I think it's it's um, uh, I think we'll manage. What do you think about the? Because that, that's all really good points. So that is nice that we won't have a there won't necessarily be a home ground advantage in terms of the spe spectators mm. but the conditions though mm. because the conditions like scotland really cold i don't know if they're playing the games um in one country specifically or across uh, scotland ireland and wales and, and italy. italy and italy italy who, who is uh, that? i've never heard of them man. never heard of them. bro that's that's those are two teams that we will definitely win at least. We, yeah. we guarantee two wins, all the South African teams, because <laughs> Benetton and whatever the other team's called, they're not, not great. Yeah, I... Um, no offence to them, if any of you guys are listening. But. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful about our chances. I think the Bulls and the Sharks are going to do well. They should, on paper. Yeah. Sharks are boarding a really good team. They've got money. Bulls have money as well, so I think they're going to do well. Lions and Stormers, I think, might struggle a bit. Um, unfortunately, I think I think Lions have a better chance of of uh, pulling it off than the Stormers at this point. But again, things can change so mm. quickly. Um, do you also think uh, Sharks Bulls have the best chance? Uh, I honestly I have no idea what to expect because um, we've never seen this sort of thing happen where we have South African clubs playing against European clubs. And I think anything could happen because the style of rugby will, will be completely different. If you watch a Pro 14 or an English Premiership game compared to watching a Super Rugby game, it's like almost two different sports. They, they play a completely different style of rugby. So it'll be interesting to see how, when you put those two teams together, what, what will happen. So mm. I, I don't want to make any hectic predictions because, you know, you know, the Stormers might come out and win their first four games. And, you know, I, don't, I also haven't seen the fixtures, to be honest with you. So yeah. I don't know who's playing who, but I know if you get, if you playing against Leinster, you'll struggle no matter who you are. Leinster quality outfit. So, you know, Leinster, Munster are probably favourites against any of our teams. But anything can happen on the day. And I think, I think the, all four of our teams have the players to, to do well. I just, we have to see how, how, how they adapt. Yeah. Uh, I, 
I've got quite a strong opinion about the players in the teams. We, we spoke a little bit about this off mm. air when we were Brian earlier, but uh, <laughs> we. Uh, so I think that South Africa is at a huge disadvantage, and I think it's quite unfair the system we we've been put into now. So when we were playing in Super Rugby, New Zealand and Australia were kind of in the same boat as us because. They were also losing players. We were losing the most players to overseas clubs, but they were also losing players, so they were kind of in the same boat. But also, we weren't losing players to the teams in New Zealand and Australia. But now, we're playing against the team, the teams that have taken our players. So I think that is actually, it just feels a bit weird and um, unfair because... Now, now we've got the situation where there's huge, um, there's huge difference, uh, differences in uh, in the in the clubs, uh, um, how much money they have. In so I, I think it's you know a team like Leinster, a team like Munster, they have way more money than uh, than the Bulls, the Sharks, the Stormers, and so on. And the currency difference is huge as well. So you know, there's just in terms of budget. There's huge discrepancies and we, we have already lost so many of our players to these teams. Guys like Jason Jenkins, he's just signed for Munster. He's a Bulls player. He played in Japan for a little bit, but he was playing for the Bulls last year. So I think that Pro 14, the guys in charge, they need to incorporate rules into how many foreign-born players are allowed in the starting lineup uh, the lineups of of the different teams. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with you on the most part. I think if they implemented a rule now that said maybe two two foreign-born players or two non-Irish or Scottish internationals um, in the starting fifteen and maybe two on the bench or something like that, just to create more balance, um, could be could be a, an interesting rule to take into consideration. The other thing. I forgot to mention earlier, the Bulls will have no problem acclimatizing because half their team has played in Europe before. Mm. They were Mornay Stain for Mjolin, um, Nizam Kar. Um, they've all played overseas and come back. So they will, they will be used to the European conditions. But back, <laughs> back to your point, um, I fully understand what you're saying. And you know, like if you're play, uh, playing up against Munster, you'll play, up, you'll play against Angio Sneijman, Chris Kluter, Damon Dalendi, some of South Africa's top talent playing against you. Yeah. And, um, you know, like if you have Munster against the Stormers and you have Rikus Pretorius up against Dalendi, Dalendi is a World Cup winning inside centre who's an old Stormers boy. So how is that a fair comparison? Because it's not, it should be Dalendi for the Stormers against some Irish bloke playing for Munster. So I completely understand your point. But on the other hand, you know, we have some youngsters who, we, the, the problem is the youngsters are getting chances because the, the, the experienced guys are going overseas. And then the youngsters become too good and then they also go overseas. Yeah. So there's going to be some youngsters in this competition who are going to get a chance, who are going to play well, and then they're going to be gone. So yeah. I completely understand what you're saying and there definitely needs to be some sort of a, a rule, but it's, it, it's, it's a difficult one. Yeah, I understand it's difficult because it's professional sport, I get all of that, but we also need to even the playing fields. Yeah. And I... You know, if this competition was happening 10 years ago, then I would feel way more optimistic and excited about it because then it would literally be the, our, the, our best players against Ireland's best players, our best players against the, the best Welsh players. And that would be really cool. But now, like, it's 
this to me this will just feel like the English Premier League. You know, the teams that have the most money, they're the ones that do well. A team like Southampton in the Premier League, they produce so many good players, but then Liverpool just buys them out. So it's it, it's just going to turn into like who but has the, the most money. But let's not forget that Brock Harris plays for the Newport Gwent Dragons, and. I mean, how, how does anyone stand a chance against Brock Harris? I mean, he's probably the greatest Stormers prop of all time now playing against us. I mean, how on earth can we possibly cope with him? Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's so I'm, I'm quite salty about it because my biggest thing is um, I care about the interest of South African rugby. Mm. That's my biggest concern. So it, I feel like it does ruin the authenticity of the competition a bit. People shouldn't look at it as... I don't think it's a fair assessment to, if for example the Stormers do very badly, I don't think it's a fair assessment to say, oh, um, South African or Irish domestic rugby is better than South African domestic rugby. Just they have more money, so they they can they can buy more players. So also like a team like Leinster, a a lot a lot of people say, oh Leinster they're fully Irish. They've only got one or two foreign-born players. But, I mean, they just pack all of their Irish internationals into that, into that team, except for one or two guys here and there. But, I mean, if we could pack all of our best domestic players and all of our Springboks into, like, the Bulls and the Sharks, like two teams or one team, they would be fantastic. They would be as good as Leinster. So, that's how I feel about well, it. Well, let me ask you, what would you do if... All four South African teams go unbeaten and make the semi-finals in this Rainbow Cup. Then I think that the Irish team should be very embarrassed. <laughs> I think they should feel so. Even with the, our uh, even with our players, they still can't beat us. That would be very humiliating for them. So, but that that would be a huge a huge statement. That would be cool. <laughs> you seem to only have a problem with the Irish players. What about the Scottish teams? No, them too. I mean, Edinburgh are terrible. <laughs> I don't know why I keep I keep. <laughs> referring to to Ireland, but Edinburgh have so many South Africans, and just um, just so you guys know, I don't have a problem with South Africans uh, going abroad. I understand why the individual does it, and I, I I've, if you are a South African that's playing abroad, I fully support that, and I understand that. But um, I also care about the game as a whole, and I think that um, this is harming. The game as a whole in some ways it's benefiting the game in some ways but i also want to see the authenticity of the sport upheld so there's there's arguments for and against both points the six nations was pretty pretty ex- actually it was extremely exciting yeah. so many upsets i think everyone expected england to win it england or france and neither of those teams won it mm. what did you think of the competition um Extremely exciting, and this this is something a, a topic that I would like to raise because I think the Six Nations is more exciting because of the South Africans playing for the certain teams. Mm. So, Duane Fanamava is box office playing for Scotland. Oli Kebel, Hugh Jones, all exceptional players from. Okay, Hugh Jones is actually Scottish, but yeah, he he made his name here. Um, from that French lock, Valimso or something, mm. he he's good, South African bloke. Um, CJ Stunder playing for Ireland in his final test match, his 51st and final. Um, I think the Six Nations has been exceptional. And I think teams like Scotland are becoming competitive, um, which is great. 
and the reason is because of some of these players. Mm. You know, they have more depth now because they have players like Oli Kebel, VOPNL, Hugh Jones, Duan Fonamava. They wouldn't have the same squad depth as they do now. And I think it's so exciting to have a competition where you have five teams that could win on the day and Italy. Um, Italy also, they get a certificate for participation. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's really awesome to have a competition where you have England beating France, but then coming fifth. And you have France in a position where they can win the Six Nations and then not winning it at the, at the death. And Wales can win the Grand Slam, but then they lose in the last minute to a try to France. The permutations, you have to have a maths degree to figure out who's going to win on what day. So I just think it's exceptional. It's exciting. What do you think? I, I agree with you. I think the, the Six Nations was awesome, uh, really. So, I mean, World Rugby have accomplished their goal of um, bringing up the weaker nations to make them more competitive. So, I mean, the the residency rule where guys like Duane van der can play for Scotland, th- that's obviously a great benefit and, uh, and it's good for the sport as a whole. So, if, you think, if you're thinking of the sport as a whole, it's great. And I think the Six Nations was more exciting than, than the Rugby Championship um, in, in recent years. Because um, the Rugby Championship, obviously there's fewer nations as well. And Argentina, they're, hardly, they're kind of like our Italy. Oh, last year they were good. But up, last until, year up, they until were last good. up until last year, they were like our Italy. You know, yeah. They kind of always would lose. Um, so, yeah. So, in terms of the global game, the residency rule is cool. But... I still think that because the the thinking behind the residency rule is like South Africa has so much depth, so why not give some of our players abroad? Okay, and on a and for those teams, it's nice. A lot of people say the residency rule it can add a lot of good to the game. It it can do a lot of good. It can do a lot of good for the teams they're going to. Yes, but um, again, I. I'm concerned about South African rugby and I feel like why do we as a country have to suffer uh, losing players just because we produce so many players and Saru have done a great job in growing the sport locally in developing excellent competitions varsity cup excellent schoolboy rugby all of this which it, it, it breeds um, excellent excellent rugby players in South Africa and so many good rugby players so it kind of feels like we now have to pay and give up some of these players to, to nations who haven't been pulling their weight. Teams like Scot- Scotland, yeah, some will say, oh, it's such a small population. But what has Scotland been doing to grow the game locally? What have they been doing to produce top quality players? I don't think they've been doing enough. And now we have to suffer and give up some of our best players that we have produced for, for teams that aren't pulling their weight. Now... Again, I understand why the individual does it. I don't blame Duan van der Mavre for playing for Scotland. No hate towards him. I would probably do the same thing. If, if I have never lived a day, if I've only lived three years in Scotland and I was offered to play for the international team and I knew I wouldn't be a Springbok, I would take that opportunity. I understand it. But <clears throat> I'm also thinking about what's best for the sport. And to me, it's still weird if... If we play Scotland tomorrow, and if Duan van der Merwe scores a winning try, I would struggle to accept that because I would love to see us playing. When we play Scotland, I want to see the pride of Scotland. I want to see Scotland's best. But 
I've said it in previous podcasts, it feels like international rugby is becoming club rugby and it's just about who has the most money. The residency rule, only the rich nations benefit. We don't benefit, the poor nations don't benefit. We don't have any foreign born players. Beast was the only one and he came here at a very young age. None of the Southern Hemisphere teams benefit from the residency rule. Only the rich nations do. So I think the model is biased towards the richer nations. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't think that we are, as a national team, we're not suffering because we're the world champions. Mm. And the last four World Cups have been won by us and New Zealand. So we're not really suffering in that sense because we have, we have enough talent to still cope. And I also think, why, why would you want to have players who get lost in the system in South Africa, who have to go and work in a factory one day when they could be playing rugby in the third tier of France, for example, or go and make a, make a career in Scotland, when here they would they would not even get offered a super rugby contract, for example. Mm. Like Chesney Colby can feed his family for the next 20 years on his salary in Toulouse, and Etzebeth for another another one. Um, so I just think they, maybe it's not, it's not great for South African Rugby Union, but it's great for the pool of South African rugby players who are looking for a way to further their life um, and they don't have any other skills besides rugby. I think mm. it gives those players a great opportunity and you'll see it with the Fijians and the Tongans and the Samoans playing in France. They send thousands of euros back to the islands to support their families because of rugby. So I think rugby is beautiful in that way and I understand mm. what you're saying and I think that's what I love about rugby is the opportunities it gives people and I think there has to be a balance and I think what, what you are saying is that the balance is starting to tip now where it's becoming a bit ridiculous. Mm. So they're losing the, the, like you say, the authenticity of what is international rugby. And, and I agree with you. I think, I think there, is, there is a way to keep everyone happy and to find a good balance. I'm, I'm just glad I'm not the, the guy that has to make those decisions. Yeah, well, um, as I said, I understand why the individual does that and I'm happy about it. And, and um, I feel very happy for guys that can make a career abroad. I really do. Um, but... I also think we need to think about space for the mm. sport as a whole as well. And, um, you know, when you, watch, when you watch international soccer, when you watch France, all those guys are French. When you watch um, Spain, all those guys are Spanish. And that's cool. Like, for, for me, it's really cool, like, watching um, the best of that country, you know. Uh, do you think Wales deserved the title? I was hoping you were going to ask me. I thought we'd forgotten about Wales. Um, <laughs> Well, obviously they deserve it if they want it. I mean, that's how it works. But I, I think Wales, three of the games that Wales won, the opposition got a red card. So it makes you think, like, are Wales good or are Wales lucky? Mm. And, you know, Scotland were winning against Wales and they got a red card. England got a red card against Scotland, or mm. I think they did. I mean, against Wales, sorry. <laughs> We're getting all confused. There's, see, uh, international rugby, no one knows who's who anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they bottled it against France. They were, they were dominating France in France for the Grand Slam, and they threw that game away. Um, and France had a chance to win it against Scotland last Friday, and they didn't. So, mm. of course, Wales deserve it, but they had no, they're not great, Wales. They don't play exciting rugby. Um, but they seem to be back to their, their winning ways, which yeah. is good because, you know, it's good to have a strong Welsh team. It's good for world rugby. So I'm happy to see them winning. And they always seem to perform well in the, in the Lions years. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think most people were expecting the Wales, uh, not the Wales, were expecting <laughs> Wales to be very poor 
in the Six Nations, but they ended up winning it. Mm. I thought France were going to win it, mm. uh, or England, as we said. England, second last on the log for the first time in, in a long time. Yeah, and it's the first time in history they've lost to Wales, Scotland and Ireland in the Six Nations. Crazy. Well, what do you make of English rugby at the moment? So shambles at the moment. I mean, you can't judge the whole of England rugby based off one Six Nations because they did come second in the World Cup and they beat New Zealand at the World Cup and last year they won the Six Nations and they won the Autumn Nations Cup. So you, they've had a couple of bad games. You, you can't write them off. They did mm. beat France and they beat Italy. Which, they beat Italy? I mean, Oof. sure. Oof. <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, South Africa didn't beat Italy. So. <laughs> that was the one time. <laughs> Um, Neither did New Zealand in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a draw. Exactly, so. it was a draw. Um, yeah, uh, it's strange because they have the world's most expensive coach. They stole Matthew Proudfoot. They've got John Mitchell. They want they, Rassi. Yeah, they've got some <laughs> of the best coaches in the world. They've got some of the best players in the world. Um, and at the moment, they're a shambles. They've got nothing to offer on attack. They're giving away penalties left, right and centre. Um, yeah, something's not, not right in England. And um, it's interesting to see how many English players will get picked for the Lions because five of five or six of the starting English players play for Saracens and none of them played well. And um, they're now going to go and play in the championship in the second division of England. Will Warren Gatlin want to pick them for the Lions? Uh, oh, yeah, so w- w- where does w- where do England actually go from here? Do, do they get a new... <laughs> <laughs> I think you must read the situation, right? Yeah. Uh, so, w- w- where <laughs> so w- what does England actually do from here? Because do, do they get a new coach? Um, I don't know. World Cup's only two years away. What, what would you do? Would you get rid of Eddie? Uh, no. It'll cost them too much to get rid of Eddie um, because I'll have to pay him out two years out of his contract. Um, I... I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. I think England have some exceptional players playing in the Premiership who are not getting picked. And Eddie Jones seems to have this idea that like, when the media says that they should pick someone, he will de- deliberately go against that. Mm-hmm. And Sam Simmons is winning man of the match week after week playing eight for Exeter. He's the top try scorer in the Premiership. He scored twice as many tries as anyone else. And he's still picking Bolivar Napola at eight, who's not on form, hasn't played rugby since last year because Saracens are in the championship and he seems to not want to change his mind so yeah Eddie Jones is very autocratic it seems mm. and that's fine when you're winning when you're beating the All Blacks in the semi-final of a Rugby World Cup great when you start losing three games out of the five in the Six Nations then people are allowed to ask questions so I think Eddie Jones is right to come under criticism because he's doing a poor job but I wouldn't get rid of him because he's mm. done well in the past. So he has the, 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 the key. It's just not clicking right now. Um, so I think, I think England will come right. Um, I, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with him <laughs> being average. <laughs> I, I don't really mind, but I, I wouldn't write them off just yet. Yeah. I, I, um, I have to... Uh, let's switch it to Scotland just because we don't want to keep speaking about the same team the whole time. Scotland... Um, they really impressed me in the Six mm. Nations. They really have step, stepped up big time. Defensively, they're doing a lot better. Um, they, they're a lot more exciting to watch as well. So um, I think Scotland can get a lot of credit for what yeah. they've done. 
they made up made a lot of upsets. Their game against England, which they won, was a big upset. Yeah. And beating France as well. I don't I think people expected France mm. to win. So um, I think they can be quite proud of themselves. Yeah, well, Scotland's come a long way. And they they used to be second worst to Italy, you know, they're guaranteed fifth place. Yeah. And um, maybe they'll get one one or two wins here or there. And now they're a real a real, real outfit and I think they're difficult to beat. Um, they've got Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg who are two world-class operators. Finn Russell is the coolest bloke on the block. He will throw any 50-50 pass, but for him it's like a 90-10 because it comes off 9 times out of 10. Mm. Stuart Hogg is exceptional. Stuart Hogg will yeah. start at fullback for the Lions. Definitely. There's, there's no doubt. Um, he's just so a good. world-class operator at fullback. He's, um, be, he's been world-class for a few years now. Yeah. Consistently he's been he got a He got a hair transplant so he looks cool again. <laughs> Just all around good guy, you know, he's just doing well in all facets of life. And their flankers, um, Hamish Watson, brilliant. So, I mean, Hamish Watson might find himself on a, on a plane to South Africa with the Lions. And usually Scotland get two allocated tickets to be on the Lions tour. But I think this year we might see a bit more than two Scots on the... Two allocated tickets. <laughs> I think this year they might have a couple more. Yeah. Italy have been underperforming for a long time now. Yeah. I think they need to start giving someone else a chance. What do you think about, because this is like the most popular idea to do like a relegation system. Yeah, I think it has, there has to be some sort of a system because Georgia haven't lost a game in the second division, Six Nations since 2012 or something silly like that. And um, Italy haven't won a Six Nations game since 2015. So what more needs to happen for them to see like, what have, so who cares if Georgia play in the Six Nations next year and lose every game? Italy, we're going to lose every game anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't... Italy, have, they haven't got one point this year on, on the log. And their, their points difference was minus 160. Um, they got no bonus points. They're, they're not a threat. They haven't even looked like beating anyone. Mm. And um, I don't see what the harm can be in having another team that's just going to lose every week. At least it's a different team, someone different to watch. And um, I, I, someone who's played against Georgia, myself, playing for Germany, they're hard as nails and they, they will put up a fight. I mean, they might, they might not win, but like I say, Italy aren't going to win anyway. So the only way Georgia can take the next step in their career or in their path as a, an aspiring rugby nation would be to give them a chance. And I don't see what else they need to do to get a chance. They don't. They, they never lose, and Italy yeah. never win. So why not at least have a playoff? If Georgia lose the playoff, then fine. But you can't not have a playoff. At least, yeah, like a three-game playoff yeah. or something. That, that's a cool idea. Yeah, and maybe if they're in the Six Nations for a few seasons, they, they'll get better because I think that was the idea with Italy. Let's put Italy in the Six Nations. Maybe they'll get better, and it didn't work. So maybe with Georgia, it will work. I feel Argentina joining the rugby championship has worked. Yeah, so. Argentina have gotten better and better. And they beat the All Blacks last year. They, they can beat anyone on their day. They've beaten all of us now. They, yeah. they, they've beaten us, they've beaten Australia and All Blacks. Well, you must remember, Argentina made it to the semi-final of a World Cup. Yeah, so, twice. So, I mean, Italy have never seen anything but the pool stages. <laughs> so, uh, I've got nothing against Italy. And I wish Italy all the best. And I want Italy to be better. But as long as they're not going to be better... It's unfair to just keep them in there like, uh, what's the point? They haven't earned it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, l staying kind of on the theme of international rugby, let's chat about the Lions tour. Um, so, the decision was made. 
that the tour is going to happen here in South Africa. We had a full episode dedicated to this uh, a few episodes back where we spoke about the different options. We should do this. We both agreed that we should, um, we should, they should rather postpone it. And that was our number one option. But it became clear that it has to happen this year. They need the money this year. Um, and logistically, it had to happen this year. So um, do you prefer this decision? Uh, it being here in South Africa, even with the possibility of no fans rather than in England or the tour taking place against Australia or France? What do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know how realistic it would be if it was in England, if there'd be fans anyway. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that I can sit at home and watch the rugby on my couch. Um, that's great for me as a fan. I understand, like you say, that Soru needs the money this year. If they don't have the Lions tour this year, Soru will go bankrupt. So it makes sense. Um, will it be the same without fans? No. That's, there's no two ways around that. That's it. Um, but am I happier that it's here with no fans as opposed to maybe being in the UK with fans? Selfishly, a little bit, yes. When I don't want to be watching three marks against the Lions with 50,000 Lions supporters. That's not what it's about either. So will it be, it won't be as good than having packed out Newlands and Ellis Park and whatever, but I'm just excited that we'll be able to watch it soon. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm also happy that it's happening here in South Africa because we're hoping there will be some fans. And if there are some fans, then, then we get, then our economy gets the benefits, yeah. you know, and no offense to England, but our economy needs it more. So yeah. um, I'm really happy, happy it's happening here in South Africa. Even if there's no fans, it's still sticking to the formula of what a Lions mm. tour is. Them touring yeah. our country. The only thing that will change is no fans. So, um, which is obviously a huge thing, but I feel it's better than going to the UK. And as you say, they might not have fans either. So, um, they, obviously there's a lot of rumors at the moment. Nothing's confirmed, but there, there's rumors that the... the um, the domestic games like Stormers against Lions, Sharks against Lions, all of that, there's talk that that's going to be cancelled uh, due to, you know, there, there needs to be um, isolation periods for the different teams and there will be too many teams they need to isolate. So apparently there's plans of the Lions and the Springboks both playing USA and Japan's warm-up games and then doing a four-test series against the Lions and the Springboks. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm happy to watch four tests. <laughs> As a fan, I'm very happy to watch four tests. I think it's a pity for the the unions because the unions could do with the money as well. And the, the youngsters playing at unions, it's only once every 12 years you get to play against the Lions. So that would be a pity. But as a Stringbok fan, four Lions test matches sounds incredible. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I think that's probably a good option. Logistically, it makes sense. Four tests, that will be cool to watch. Um, what what's your prediction uh, for 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 the Lions tour? Do you think do you think two two? Do you think four nil Springboks? Do you think three one Springboks? I have no basis <laughs> to answer this question because we haven't played rugby in eighteen months. But your biased opinion has to be three one Springboks, right? That's my biased opinion. That's probably not based on fact, but 
That's what my heart tells me. <laughs> I, I think I think we'll do well. You know, people keep saying we haven't played together for so long, mm. but the Lions haven't played together either because they're four different countries. Yeah. So you know, we've we've been playing the Preparation Cup now. Then we'll be playing the Rainbow Cup. And yes, we haven't played as one team, but the Lions are going to be four different teams coming together. So of course, it's the both teams are facing the same challenge. So I don't think that's very valid. And I think if we play anything like we did in the World Cup final. You know, thirty-two, twelve. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I um, so one day I'm still hoping for some sort of Southern Hemisphere team. Mm. Yeah, it uh, would be interesting. That would be cool. I don't know how many Springboks would make that team, and it would probably be a very all-black-dominated team. But yeah, depending on when, I oh, suppose. Yeah, no, no Australians, unfortunately. <laughs> but anyway, try again next year. Yeah, Argent. <sighs> The Argentinian players. Okay, let's not get into that whole discussion now. We'll be here for another two hours. But um, yeah, that always always awesome speaking to you, Mark. Thanks for the cool chat, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, please feel free to leave suggestions. We're going to have another episode soon within the next few weeks. Uh, hopefully, two weeks from now, we'll do our next episode, release it. So thanks for tuning in, and see you guys next time.